What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. It is Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. Subscribe, rate, and review if you like the show. It's a daily NFL podcast on CBS Sports. we got great guests every week, every day. Brady Quinn yesterday. We had a, a foursome on a, on Sunday night for the Monday show. And today we got CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. JLC, what's up, buddy? What's going on, bud? Before we get started, I have a question for you. Yes. We're six weeks roughly into the school year. <laughs> if you were, if you had a daughter in eighth grade, what do you think would be a respectable over-under for number of times she left her lunch on the counter and dad had to run it back to school like an hour later? Uh, six weeks into the, so let's see. I mean, like, like uh, uh, one where, okay, I'll set the over-under at... Seven and a half, because that's too oh, many. Oh, Miss Chloe's under. Then okay. Then okay. I shouldn't. Oh no no. Uh, then maybe maybe that's, maybe that's, five is normal. No, seven no no seven and a half is too many. Like I was just thinking when you okay. when you when yeah, you because we're at five. That's, we're now at five. We're yeah. almost at one a week. Eighth grade is. I mean, in, in eighth grade, she you're, should have her stuff together. Yeah. Yeah, like you can't be leaving without your lunch. Like yeah. you need to eat. Is she trying? Is she doing it on purpose to get like? Some- I do think she definitely prefers. Like she's at a new school this year, and they have a much better cafeteria. Mm. So, but like I overheard Lauren the other day being like, um, "Just so you know, like that eighty-five dollars was supposed to last like the whole semester. You know, because she only <laughs> she brings her lunch like four days a week. Yeah. She's like, you know, you do realize like you've got like two dollars left on your card, right? Right. And that's supposed to be through January. Oh my. So God. yeah, it could be a little bit of that, but either way, like. Trust me, I roll back up to that school at <laughs> 9 a.m. all the time. They're like, back again? Here's like, your, yeah. Here's your PBJ, honey. Eighth grade. Please, run, please take it to the middle school principal. Okay. I love the middle school principal. My wife teaches there. I'm like, they leave in the morning and like a little bit before I take the boys to their schools. And like, it's funny because now the little one, the seven-year-old is like, we'll get in the car and he'll be like, I think Chloe might have left her lunch again. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I get back in the house. Oh, I look on the kitchen counter. I'm like, damn, Mateo was right. She did leave her freaking lunch again. She's, she's, I mean, she's 100% doing it on purpose. Because if you, if I she, think at this point, I, I think she's just kind of effing with me. Probably. I mean, like, that's what eighth like grade. Like this passive aggressive battle of, will he get too busy and just fed up and just leave it on the counter? In which case, like, I'll get to buy lunch again. Although I don't know how this card thing works. I would think once you're over, you're up. Like the, the way Lauren made it sound is like once you're over, you've got to like add, you know what I mean? Yeah. Add funds to the debit account. Or yeah, but you so got, yeah, but then it's just a chicken, a game of chicken. She's like, I guess you guys won't feed me if you won't give me some more money for the, for the right. lunch card. Um, I, I was stunned. Anyway. I got some friends who, um, have kids who are into kindergarten or starting kindergarten this year. They have to, I mean, kindergarten, you're like five years old. And they have to know a 10 digit student ID number in order Whoa. to like, in order to like get lunch and get in buildings and stuff. It's crazy, man. When I was in kindergarten, I just like tried it's not like to a party zone. Yeah. It's, it's becoming different. I mean, my kids had to know like by fairly early in the year, I feel like they had to kind of know, start to know their address and phone number, which I mean, the phone number is 10, 10 digits. So I guess it's not that different, but like. Yeah. It wasn't like a prerequisite. Right. It's just, it's crazy. These kids these days are far advanced. Uh, let's dive into some football though. First off, we're going to hit some news. Le'Veon Bell not showing up to the Steelers on, uh, on Monday or Tuesday or presumably Wednesday, unless this backfires on us badly. We're recording on Tuesday. Um, it doesn't seem like he's in, in, I know you reported on Sunday. They haven't heard, the Steelers haven't heard from Le'Veon Bell still. He's not coming into the facility this week. It'll be post-buy, no. if anything, right? I mean, 
they're about, you know, they had meetings yesterday and treatment, and they'll have some meetings and, like, a walkthrough today. And then, you know, by Wednesday night, they're out of the bit, like, they're on their by. So, no, they don't. They don't think he'll show. They're, they think that when he gave those original comments, or I feel like there was first the story just kind of saying he's going to report week seven, and then there was Bell, you know, talked to I guess it was Jeremy Fowler or whoever, and gave him some quotes, and then they changed the headline and were like week seven or week eight. Like while all that was going down in real time, like the Steelers called his agent Adisa Bakari, and they're like, "Is this legit or not?" You know what I mean? Did you like? Did you know he was going to do this interview? Should we bank on this? What should we tell our coaches? And the agent was like, I wouldn't bank on anything. This is kind of news to me, and I don't know that there is an official plan. And the thinking in the Steelers' front office at that time was, someone probably told him or he figured out that he was going to miss, you know, that he, it, it made sense to miss at least seven games, which he may have assumed was just seven weeks. But the mm. bye being at week seven, it made no sense because, as I told you at the time and as I reported at the time, if he comes back on the bye week, I guarantee you they won't pay him that week of his roster exemption. So they're going to put him on a two-week roster exemption, and they're going to say, you, you don't sign the contract until you agree to that. You have to sort of agree to the terms of the exemption. Like, they would have been unwavering. Like, we're not paying you for a week when we're not playing a game. So he would have never won that fight. They'd have said, just stay home. Don't sign the tender at all. So coming back week seven never made any sense. Right. I, I was surprised that as many people kind of fell for that okey-doke. Next week... Maybe, but again, as I've been saying, if you really don't want to be, you don't want to be traded, and you can't be traded without signing the franchise tag, then you probably wait till not this next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that, the Tuesday after week eight. Ha- Hall- Halloween. Oh no, I guess it would, be, do, it would be Tuesday, you know, October, October 30th. Is the yeah. trade deadline. You yeah. sign it at four thirty, and it, you know, and then you you come in the next day, and that's that. So. That doesn't mean he can't be traded even without signing it, though, because trust me, they, they, they're ready, willing, and able to move him. And if some team agrees to them on the contract ter- or on the trade terms, then they give that team permission to speak to Bell, and that GM calls him and says, dude, we're, we're going to trade for you. We're going to run our offense through you in the second half of the year. we got a chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, we hope you're healthy and ready to go, um, but we need to consummate this trade now. And if he balks at that, like, he's going to completely neuter his leverage going mm. into free agency. Like, if you sort of hold the Steelers up for half the year and then have a chance to go somewhere with a clean slate and play half a season and set your up for free, stuff up for free agency, and then you tell that GM to go to hell, too, then, you know, good luck with your contract in March. Good luck finding somebody to give you, you know, $45 million fully guaranteed. It's not happening. Right, and at this point, at this point, if Le'Veon Bell comes back, what do the Steelers do? Do they? They still have that roster exemption. Right. Which the way Connor's playing, why would you be in any rush to bring Le'Veon Bell back and throw him right in your lineup? Right. So in other there's, words, there's no need to. So in other words, roster so exemption week say, eight and nine. You're, we're going to use this two week roster exemption. We're willing to pay you X percent of your full salary while you, in essence, rehab, recover. Work, you know, work yourself into shape on our dime. And then they could go back and forth over that. He could balk. He could say, I'm only coming back if you pay me everything. And they could say, then just stay in South Florida. Whatever, dude. So ultimately, he's going to have to play some football this year to get paid next year. Right. And he doesn't really hold the cards he thinks he has. And it's coming to a head in a couple of weeks, but I still feel like 
a trade is probably the best solution, especially as that locker room continues to become more and more pro Connor. I mean, Connor's playing his ass off. He's killing it out there. Yeah, they like, finally look two or three weeks ago. They finally somebody got a hold of the coordinator and said, "You got to run the ball, bro." Like, even if it's not sexy all the time, we need volume in the run game to get our offensive linemen going, to push people off the ball, and to establish Connor. And they've done it. I mean, I, I, really, the, the low point was the Baltimore game where he just abandoned it. I think Connor had nine rushes or something like that. I mean, it was inexcusable for a yeah. game. It wasn't like that game was 24 nothing in the first quarter. I mean, they just got completely one-dimensional. And since then... They've recalibrated. That's helped the defense out and kept them off the field. The defense now is getting after people on third down, and they seem to have a good thing going. Um, I, I mean, when Roethlisberger talked last week, trust me, everybody in upper management read that as, we don't need this cat belly. You know what I mean? Like yeah, He's not going to yeah. be here next year anyway. And he's not going to be a white knight who comes in and plays ten times better than the guy we have. Like Maybe he plays a little better at some point than Connor. Like Maybe he gets his sea legs under him. And he looks like an MVP again, but you know we don't really need we don't need to be figuring that out in November. You know we're good. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole concept behind James Conner doing this, by the way, is why you don't pay a running back because you can draft one in the yeah. third round. Who comes or why in. you don't draft one where Fournette was drafted or right. where Barkley was drafted. Yep. Uh, ooh, we'll get to the Giants in a minute too. By the way, you can watch more of Jason Lockerfora and, and myself on uh, on. CBS Sports HQ. If you're a real sports fan, you want real sports news, you want it 24-7, you want it streaming on your Roku, you want it on your Amazon Fire, your Apple TV, any smart device, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, I believe, work as well. Anywhere you can get the CBS Sports app and you want it for free all the time, you can get it on CBS Sports HQ. Tons of experts like ourselves giving you details on gambling, fantasy, inside information, none of the fluff and nonsense that comes along with sports media these days. If you're not watching, you're not winning. Real sports news for real sports fans and other assorted taglines. Go to cbssports.com backslash live for more of HQ. Um, I, I think we would let fake sports fans watch, too. Fake sports I mean, fans can watch. I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm no, not management. But I would think eyeballs are eyeballs, clicks are clicks. <laughs> if you're a fake sports fan, we've also got you covered at CBS HQ. Yeah, well, if you're a dog. CBS Sports HQ, I should say. Yeah, if you're, if you're a dog or a cat who doesn't even like and sports. And you have the paw, if you have the, the ability within your paw to, <laughs> to press a button. you know, click refresh on a browser, <laughs> then more power to you. That's more treats for you. Watch, I like <laughs> said that word. Somebody uh, <clears> there's, here comes, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I've got George locked downstairs. Hopefully he won't bust up here. My son came up um, naked uh, during a CBS Sports HQ hit on Monday night during the sports line hit. That was fun. Came running up. Do you had like the door closed or whatever to where oh, you yeah. were shooting it? No, I, he just, I just heard him like all of a sudden I heard the door, but he came running up and he's like, there was a bathroom. It was a hole. It's a, he was just yelling like, I went in the bathroom. Like, thanks, buddy. Go away. Daddy's literally talking right now to, to Mr. Uh, Kenny White. Uh, at any rate, um, yeah, yeah there's this, a lot of that in this house. There's actually like a secret real of like all the times Mateo before he started going to school like he would take his shirt off and just run in front of the camera and dance you know we taped <laughs> NFL Monday QB so there was never a chance you know what I mean like it's oh yeah. maybe I shouldn't have said that um but yeah. anyway I think it's fine. yeah they they're it's they, not they, live they, what <laughs> um yeah so anyway I I feel your pain we've dealt with a lot of that but thankfully not good not not in the live variety I know I've seen you get shoved by a child on a live draft show before so Shoved by a child. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Mate- fine. Oh, Mateo yeah, came down course. and was like yeah. staring at you that for like three Mateo. minutes, and then he, all yeah. of a sudden he just shoved you. It's hilarious. Uh, at any rate, um. Tough room. Tough yeah, room. It is, it is, it is a tough room. Kids are, kids are a pain in the butt. Um, 
You know, this is a pain in the butt paying somebody $10 million a year and having them destroy your franchise, which is what it looks like John Gruden is doing to the Oakland Raiders. You reported on Sunday that there's a, uh, fire sale, right? Are they, are they, they're trading Carl yeah, Joseph? Yeah, they don't want to listen on anything. I mean, we, we, I would say within reason, but I think everything is within reason. You look at how that team's presently constructed and, he doesn't want anything to do with Reggie McKenzie's recent draft picks, and it started by cutting Mario Edwards and shopping guys before um, the season began, and then it obviously kicked off in earnest with the Khalil Mack trade. And, and now they've reached a point where there's nothing to salvage this year. They're not really going to be good next year either, and it's all about positioning themselves for Vegas. And I think John Gruden is saying, man, this team is way worse than I thought it was and the guys here didn't really know what they were doing, and they weren't drafting well, and let me just try to flip these guys for whatever I can get for them now. And I think the big final play, um, sort of like how you look at the Buffalo Bills and their teardown, right? Mm-hmm. And there was these incremental moves that went back to trading Sammy Watkins and, and uh, who else? I guess they traded Ronald, the corner Ronald before Darby. the season started. Yeah, yeah and, then it, and then it finally ended at the draft, um, when they move up to get Josh Allen, because I guess Cordy Glenn was the last one, right? Cordy Glenn to the Bengals a couple weeks before the draft, and then they make the final trade to move up and get Josh Allen, and that's how it works out. You know, I think the final one will be Derek Carr, and I don't think it'll be close to the draft. I think it'll be at the combine. And Ooh. I think that's at that point, whatever he gets for, you know, if, if there's value for Amari Cooper, he'll do it. He's not going to give him away, but he'll give away Carl Joseph. I think he'll give away Gary on Conley if anybody's willing to take that salary off his hands. Um, I think he'll he'll give away Derek Johnson if anybody wants him. Um, I think the Jordy Nelson contract's probably untradeable. If somebody wants Marshawn Lynch, why not? Um, you know, I think if Donald Penn was was healthy, he'd be gone. I think if Obi uh, Melifonwu was was healthy and not on IR, he'd be gone. If Reggie picked you, you're gone. Um, and ultimately, what's the point of keeping Derek Carr? And if you have all this draft capital and you can get a one-plus-something else for Derek Carr, which I think he can. Like, I'll call it right now, Derek Carr to the New York Giants. Wow, like, I like that. Like, the combine. That just makes all the sense in the world to me. Interesting. Giants don't really want to rebuild. And they don't really want to admit that we screwed up by not taking a quarterback, right? Yeah. So they trade what will be a fairly high one, or maybe they do it for a future one if this one looks like it's going to be top two or three. Yeah. I think that's what they do, and they plug him right in there with Barkley and Odell and Shepard and a move tight end, and they use their picks on offensive linemen, and they keep, you know, they keep trying to keep that thing going. So you think that you think the Giants might not draft a quarterback with the? I mean, you know, clearly they. The, the, I think if they had their druthers, I mean, they're still like I don't think that ownership is down with a complete rebuild. Yeah. And when you just gave Odell all that money, you yeah. know what I mean, like. Okay, maybe you find, maybe you do get a quarterback who comes in, maybe you get Sam Darnold. Okay, maybe, but <laughs> maybe you get Josh Allen. You know, yeah. I, not everybody's ready to carry that load. And let's face it, that's a team that's been selling, we're close, we're close, we're close. Like, when you're paying the running back that kind of money and you're paying the wide receiver that kind of money and you put all that money in your defense just two years ago and you're in that particular market, and now the Jets look like the sleeping giants, you know, awake. Like, I don't know. And if you can't get the kid from Oregon, 
You know what I mean? Then we're talking uh, what? Ohio State. We're talking West Virginia. Like I don't. In, NC State's uh, Ryan Finley, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that's <laughs> the way they want to go. You know, I I don't think this draft is last year's draft, and I just see them. I I could see I could see them I could see Derek Carr making a lot of sense for them. that. That's that's good. You and know, you know, and you you're, you've got to be ready to go and have these kids hitting their stride when you get to Vegas then he's going to control the next two drafts by getting as many picks as he possibly can. And mm. that's where I think this, this whole thing is going. All right. So do you think, do you think what he's doing is, is he, is he, is he, is he, is he, is he playing check? Is he playing chess? And we're, we think he's playing well, checkers? Well, I will say this. If there's ever a time to get away with it, it's now. Like they're in the last year of their lease at that stadium. Yep. Everybody already knows that they're, it's fleeting, right? They're, they're, they're renting. They're not buying. Everybody knows they're moving. You already have the lowest revenue streams in the league. The stadium's already crap, and the fan base already knows you're leaving. If ever there was a time to tank, it's now. Now, we don't even know where they're playing next year. Like, they might be playing next year four games here and four games there. I mean, I tend to think, ultimately, Alameda County gets something done with them, or maybe they share with the Niners for, for a season. But that's not ideal. You're not going to hit a revenue home run that year, right? You're going to be playing one game in London and one game in Mexico City anyway. Like, if there's a time to truly, truly suck, it, it's now. Yeah. So I get it. And if he look, if he's looking around and he's like, even if we keep Khalil Mack, we're probably six and ten. With now, the the the, the key will be who is with him picking players, because I, I think John Gruden does a lot of things tremendously well. But controlling the roster and him picking, especially you know, picking every single player on offense, I think that's that that could be a recipe for trouble. So once he fires Reggie McKenzie, who else is in there? Who does he surround himself with? And then obviously you've got to make hay with these picks. I mean, Sashi Brown showed you you can you can you can accrue all the picks you want. Right. If you're not turning them into value, then it's you know it, it, it's it, it's you know. It's, it's uh, worthless. I can't say what I want to say. The term I want to use, I can't use. Well, but, but, it, but the thing, the, you know, you're fooling yourself. The, yeah, but the thing, the thing with the Raiders that I think is actually interesting, and um, I mean, like, it's easy to sit here and like and chirp and be like, ah, oh, the Raiders are idiots. They paying John Gruden all this money. This is all collapsing, and it is collapsing. But I do think, like, I don't think Derek Carr is good. I never thought he was good. He had a great year in 2016 when they went 12 and four, but it was largely like based on the Raiders winning close games. I think Cleo. Max, great. Uh, I, I don't. I you know. I don't. I wouldn't have traded him, but I understand that if you get two first round picks for him, that's a pretty good haul. Um, you know, Conley and, and Joseph haven't lived up to their billing. Uh, you know, I mean, Amari Cooper had two nice years, but then fell off a cliff last season and has yeah. drop issues. So I mean, like, I I get it. I mean, it looked like the Raiders were building a core, and and maybe maybe they weren't, but it just it just seems like it just seems like this whole burn it all to the ground. And get ready for Vegas thing is not what we were, not what Raiders fans were sold, which I guess is not unusual for an NFL franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was always going to be at Gruden's discretion. And he wouldn't really know until he really got in there and, and saw exactly what they had. And I think the car thing was always going to be like, let's see how he responds to some of this extreme tough love. And let's see if we do think he's a little bit of damaged goods. And obviously, he hasn't been as effective since he started getting hurt. And that offensive line has also gone from a strength to a weakness, which has a lot to do with it. Um, 
You know, now it's like Osemele and whoever the hell else is around him any given day. You know, Rodney Hudson hasn't been the same. He's been banged up. Uh, you know, Donald Penn two, three years ago was still a, a high caliber left tackle. Now he looks like he's done. I mean, so there's a lot that's going on there. Um, but he had complete carte blanche. And once he got his sort of hands around the situation and once he decided that, you know, we're not paying Khalil Mack what it's going to cost to keep Khalil Mack. And at that point, a bad defense is probably going to be horrible. And unless some of these recent, you know, day one and day two draft picks really step up, then we, this thing has a chance to fall off a cliff. And the Chiefs look like a juggernaut, and the Chargers have a really good roster. Yeah, you know, so where where we, what are we really doing here? And you know, this isn't like one of these con jobs where you got to keep selling the give the fans a reason to show up. You know, like they have no fans. Their fans are in two, a different state. You yeah. know what I mean? Their yeah. fans are in Nevada. Their fans, their fans, they haven't even played in their real stadium yet. Their real stadium isn't even built yet. So why, you know what I mean, try to glue this thing together and hope you max out at five or six wins because, well, at least it's better than one or two and people still keep coming out. Nobody's going to come. Like, it is – nobody even knows where they're playing next year. Any, so, any chance they get a – what do they get for Amari Cooper? They're not getting a first-round pick for it. It's just I can't imagine them getting a first-round pick. I mean <sighs> two, – A two, two what did threes. The, what, did, what did the Rams give up for Sammy Watkins? The second – no, yeah, two, right? Yeah, the Rams gave up a first for Brandon Cooks and a second to the Bills for Yeah, Sandy I don't Watkins. know that you get a two for Cooper either. Um, I mean, he's, he's in the last Maybe year. it's a three that moves to a two based on production or something like that. Um, can anybody yeah, – I don't any, think you – but, I mean, if they're not going to re-sign him and, you know what I mean, they're going to draft a quarterback who they don't even think is going to play the first year, right? He's probably not going to play till we get to Vegas. Then I, I, I get it. You know? Yeah, for sure. I get it. And Amari Cooper has certainly flashed, but let's face it, this is a sort of a golden era of receivers, and he's he doesn't really he doesn't resonate the way a lot of these guys do. He's got he's got two games this year with over 115 yards, and then four games with under 20 yards. It it makes no sense. Like he's he's just inconsistent. They don't really know how to use him. That's not how you pump up somebody's trade value. But but whatever. Uh, you mentioned uh, the three. You mentioned three of the four teams in the AFC West. The other team, the Denver Broncos, are going to play on Thursday night, and um, this could be uh, they're going to play in Arizona against the Cardinals. Denver's a two and a half road favorite somehow, even though they're two and four and just gave up two back to back two hundred yard rushing games. Uh, is this a loser loser leaves town bowl for the Broncos and the yeah, Cardinals? This is, this is this is a desperation bowl. This is somebody doesn't need to get back on the bus after this. Um, <laughs> if Denver loses, I mean, this is a a franchise that doesn't really have back to back losing seasons in its DNA. This is a team president, John Elway, whose decisions are a huge part, the primary part of why this franchise has found itself where it is in the coaching and the and the QB department, but he's not firing himself. And Vance Joseph was a sort of reach when they hired him. It was a reach when they didn't fire him after last season, even though the natural instincts of a lot of people, Elway included, were we probably need to make a change, but they like Vance, and it's like, well, maybe if we just fire his whole staff and then we hire a better staff for him, you know what I mean? And we pay Case Keenum all this money that, you know, maybe we could fool ourselves the way the Giants tried to fool themselves and some other teams have tried to fool themselves. Well, it's not happening. Um, if this was a, if they were to go into this extended period on a five game losing streak with the defense falling apart, um, and, and with guys like, you know, 
Demaryius Thomas is just along for the ride, a passenger. And the only time you see Emmanuel Sanders is when he does something stupid and gets a, you know, a penalty. And there's lack of discipline on both sides of the ball. And, and, and again, their instincts told them, boy, this might be, you know, we might be asking too much of Vance in the first place. And, yeah, a loss here, I, I would be very surprised if it doesn't result in a coaching change. And, and it could quite possibly result in Chad Kelly taking over as quarterback as wow. well. Okay, uh, I, got, I got a couple questions about this. One, um, what are the – so the, the, obviously they play on Thursday night. So this is probably – like if like if David Johnson, who's been just horrific and the Cardinals' offense has been terrible, if he goes out there and runs for 200 yards against the Broncos and they give up 200-yard rushing games for the third straight game – is Vance Joseph is a defensive head coach is probably getting fired on Friday morning, yeah. right? Okay. Um, two is how does this work with the Bolin ownership situation? Because Pat Bolin has Alzheimer's, as everybody knows, and uh, certainly you know it's hard. You, you don't come back from that, but you hope, certainly hope that he, he and his family are doing okay. There's a lot of uh, power grappling for the for the, for for the ownership within yeah, the kids and all that. But so like but is I mean is, I guess I'm asking without being too crass like is John Elway just in charge here? I mean like Well who- no, Joe Ellis, I mean so the the team is in the family trust for right. now and eventually they're going to have to figure out if there is one member from that trust whether, you know, there's there's sort of some competing entities who would like to take over the team. You know, are all these siblings able to come together and agree that this, you know, person X is now going to serve as the voice of the Denver Broncos and the, you know, the majority shareholder and the person who's going to represent us at league meetings. And this is, you know, this is ultimately um, the, the person who's running the franchise. If they can't figure that out over time, um, you know, it's not that different than what's been going on in Tennessee. You know, they haven't been complying with the NFL's <laughs> ownership rules for quite some time. And Amy Adams Strunk has sort of been the acting owner but they haven't figured it out on a permanent basis, and there's different people within that Adams Family Trust who think that, you know, maybe they just want to sell the team. They don't want their part of it. it it's hard to keep all those parties together. And in the case of the Bowen family, there's a, a multitude of heirs, a lot of people involved. So that can be tricky. But in the meantime, Joe Ellis has been sort of acting as the owner of the team. Is, is he, is... And, he, and Elway reports to him. And, you know, I, I can't imagine that they're not going to be of the same mind that mindset that, you know, the AFC isn't all that great and we should be competitive. And maybe an, a coaching change doesn't change much, but let's be real. We're going to be in the coaching market in 2019 anyway, and we need to start evaluating our roster differently and we need to tighten a few things up and maybe this at least you know, makes us better in the second half than the first half and does keep people coming out because they're used to having sellouts there and they're used to that being a tough ticket. And that's one of the stadiums where I watch these games every week. It looks like people, you know, are in there ready to go, mm. hardcore fans. Um, they want that to remain a home field advantage. They want that to be a reason that people come to the Broncos because it's tough to win and, you know, tough for anybody to win in Malheim. So, they don't want to devalue that. So I can't imagine that Elway and, and Ellis have to have a real long conversation after this game if it goes poorly. Right, right. But I guess, too, I was saying, like, like Joe Ellis ain't firing John Elway. Like, nobody's firing. John Elway uh, is... No, no. I don't see that happening. But, I mean, at some point, you know, as ownership gets cleaned up, right, I, I think right, right, people right. are going to have to to reassess the role. And is John Elway better as... Would John Elway be someone who's better off in the Joe Ellis role than the John Elway role? Sure. Or do they do they just clean up the flowchart and the GM, 
you know, they hire a GM who reports directly to Ellis and maybe doesn't report to Ellis. I mean, I, I don't know that any of that's coming, but I've written about this. You can go all the way back to when Denver did finally win the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Denver's drafts, since they got rid of Brian Zanders and Elway took over full control, it's just not even the same. It's not, it's, there's, right. there's no, they're not even close to league average, much less being close to what they were those last two or three drafts before Elway took over. Yeah. And then the mismanagement of the offensive line, the inability to find a quarterback, um, that, yeah, you, you keep striking out in those regards, you're going to struggle no matter how good your defense is. You know, and the, hire, and the perpetual hiring and firing of coaches, you know. I understood why Fox had to go, although they were on the cusp of the Super Bowl. And, you know, then it doesn't even work, you know, with your, with your lifelong best friend. You know, that gets a little tension-filled. And so, you know, Kubiak moves on. And then you reach to find a guy who looks like he'll be the perfect puppet. But be careful what you, look, what you ask mm. for because if the guy really isn't ready, and, yeah, he's totally malleable and there's not going to be any more tension and, you know, breath of fresh air. But is he ready for the job? Did you pick the right guy? And – you add all that up, and it's it's not pretty. And now you've got Mahomes in that division, like whoo. Yeah, and and Philip Rivers playing at MVP level too, and, and yeah, of course right. The, the, the Chargers still have yeah. they've always had talent. It's yeah. just can they put it together? And now Andy Reid's got a young gunslinger. Yeah, Andy, uh, Andy Reid set yeah. Andy Reid set for the next five to ten years. Like he, the, the Chiefs are not going anywhere. Yeah. All right, so um, on, Wait, on, the, the, on the other side, real quick on the desperation yeah. ball is just. Well, 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 before you get the Cardinals, hold on, I want to ask you about, no, 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 it's fine, but the Chad, the Case Keenum thing, his, he would be a $10 million dead cap hit if they cut him after this year, um, it feels... That's not going to matter there, dude, they're going to gut that team and rebuild, I mean, you know, I I just think, like, we've seen guys already start to leave there in recent years, right, they're not going to keep both those receivers, maybe they pick one, although they should have traded one this offseason, I mean, they're, they're kind of day late dollar short on a lot of this uh but i mean yeah you start looking around. i mean Derek wolf you know what i mean do they just decide hey we'll go with the younger guy there they're gonna be fine <laughs> they're gonna be fine i mean if the bowling family's looking at this it's like well we're not going to keep throwing crazy money at this thing you know what i mean like right. especially while we're in limbo like let's let's try to go with guys on rookie contracts and yeah we still got vaughn you know, we'll still have a couple of guys, but like that secondary was already in the process of being gutted. The wide receiver room will be gutted. Um, you know, and that's, that's where their, their money's going. Yeah, like, well, like Chris Harris is a stud, but he is going to be turning 30 next year and he would only be, he would be under a million dollars in terms of dead cap space. So you could see like, instead of taking the 8.7, but even if, dude, happen, even if like if a guy, if they don't think a guy could play or he's not in the play, like even if Case Keenum was a $15 million hit, like, they're just going to the yeah. They're going to be nowhere near the cap and spending. Yeah. So the dead cap doesn't. You might as well take all that now. You know, and if yeah. you can get, like, I can see John Gruden looking at Case Keenum and saying, like, that's my Jeff Garcia, that's my Bruce Gretkowski, like that's <laughs> my guy to get me to Vegas just here's to a, run it for a couple of seasons. Elway, you know I mean? Elway, here's it, a first round pick. Ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. That makes sense. And so, but, I mean, and, and so even if Keenum was going to cost twenty against the cap, what's the difference? We're not going to be within twenty million dollars of the spending cap anyway. Let's get, let's take all that now. Chris Harris signed a very team friendly contract. Elway did a great job in that negotiation, but if you're two years from being any good, get something for him. Yeah, and you can easily when you look at the Broncos cap table you can see where it's like the top four guys case keenum demarius thomas emmanuel sanders Derek wolf top five guys and chris harris you can see those guys getting cleaned out and then they go and draft a quarterback high in the first round see what they have in chad kelly in the second half um yeah so so chad kelly's gonna play at some like i, I mean he might not start week eight but he's 
I can't fathom him not playing this year. I mean, if you fire a coach, you're basically saying, okay, we screwed up. You know, if you fire a coach midseason in the NFL when it's only 16 games, you're saying, like, you're implicitly saying, yeah, we should have done what we wanted, what we thought we should do right after last season ended. And we shouldn't have tried to hold this together with band-aids and paper, you know, and paper clips. Yeah. And yeah, we are, we are, we are rebooting. Well, and and if you if you lose to the Cardinals, you fire Vance Joseph. Not a terrible time at the at the Chiefs is not an easy place to play, but that's a good defense to start up against. If you're if you're Chad Kelly, you make the offense look good. Uh, all right, so on the Cardinals, you mentioned that. Let's say the Broncos go in and win one for Vance, uh, and uh, and and blow out the blow out the Cardinals, which is totally possible. The Cardinals are underdogs in that game, plus two and a half. I like Arizona, but the Arizona offense is terrible, and Steve Wilkes looks over his head. Any chance one of those dudes gets fired? I don't. I don't think anything happens at the macro level there, but I think Mike McCoy. Well, I shouldn't say I think Mike Mike McCoy is fighting for his job as well and coaching for his job. You mentioned David Johnson. They can't get the run game going. They run between the tackles more than any team in the league, which is bizarre because they're offensive line guy who should be out in space. You know, they're not lining him up in the slot. It's it's there's a high volume to that offense, and 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 it's it's been a little bit difficult for Rosen to grasp. You've seen Larry Fitzgerald's dad come out and pretty much rip the scope and scheme and, and philosophy of the offense. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just not working. And the defense has been okay. It doesn't always show up in the final score, but like they were all over Kirk Cousins for a big portion of that game last week, batting down balls, knocking him around. Um, you know, since the first two weeks, they've gotten better and better on defense. But it's just not going to be good enough. The defense is on the field almost 40 minutes a game. Like, you know, they lead the league in three and outs. They're terrible in third down. Their best players aren't showing up on offense. It's going to be hard for me to think that they get to that bye and, and don't make uh, some sort of change there. This would have been the nor- normal spot to go to Rosen, but Bradford was so horrible they had to do that quicker than they wanted to. It just hasn't been good. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds for GM Steve Kime as well. I mean, I think he's somebody – who he's got $22 million sitting on his bench in two quarterbacks. Mm. That doesn't bode well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the owners know who they're paying the money to. So I, I, I continue to hear that they're very open to creative ideas leading into the deadline as well. I don't think they want to stand pat. And as much as they'll be careful about what they say publicly, there's a sense in other front offices that don't make a trade at the deadline before you call Steve Kahn because he may be willing to do something that you didn't think he'd be willing to do. Mm. Um, that team isn't necessarily close. They've got a juggernaut in their division. And, you know, they're going to have to put some other young assets around Josh, uh, Josh Rosen on that offense. And they don't exist on their roster right now. So, And, you know, the elephant in the room is, does Larry just say, hey, I know I always said I wanted to finish my career here, but this is it for me and I want to get a chance to get a ring somewhere. You know, Send me, to, then, send me to New England. <laughs> they're like, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, they made they've made deals before the Chandler Jones trade. So, sure. yeah, that's certainly a team to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. Um, and you reported on Sunday too that and I know that. Uh, of course, they, you know, the, the Cardinals were asked about it, as any team would be. They're like, we don't know where that yeah. stuff come from. It's of like, course not. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. No. Uh, Patrick Peterson, I would not be shocked if Patrick Peterson was traded. No, well, no the, I wouldn't. But the, the crazy part about the Patrick Peterson thing, and, and this is what I don't get, Jason, is like that, all right, so you bring in Steve Wilkes, who decides he's going to run, um, he's going to use Patrick Peterson as his Josh Norman, 
which is fine, except you're taking away one of the best man press corners in yeah. the league and yeah. making him play zone on one side. And then, and now, and now you're going to try and like build your, you're going to change your personnel to fit Steve Wilkes' scheme after Steve Wilkes starts, comes out of the gate with this horrific start to the season. Like it, that makes no sense to me. Well, and I mean, you know, Hassan Reddick, who they just took 13th overall yep. a year ago, which a lot of people in the league, the consensus was, you know, good athlete, but maybe a tweener, and that's a stretch. Oh, and, 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 and the real you know, Now they're kind of stuck with him, and he doesn't fit it either, but nobody's going to take that. I mean, when you're picked 13th overall, you make real money. Yep. Nobody's gambling on him with that salary right now. Um, Dayon Buchanan doesn't have a role. He's asked for a trade. He wants out. You know, and Peterson doesn't seem to – I mean, that's three of your last six, six or seven first-round picks on that side of the ball. And then you couple that with letting Tony Jefferson leave and letting Calais Campbell leave and letting the Honey Badger leave. And, like, you know, you can, you can try to sell your fans that, like, we're not that far off, but you're not fooling other GMs. So, I mean, maybe nobody gives them enough for Patrick Peterson. But what if, you- if, you, if you're willing to hit a home run for him, and you need picks the way they need picks. And you, you What do you, what do you, you know, what, what do you need? You're good. He's on the other side of 30. Yeah. I don't know why you don't. I mean, uh, they're a hell of a lot closer to the Raiders than they are the Rams right now. I'll put yeah. it that way. If if you're if you're the Cardinals, who are you talking to for Patrick Peterson and what are you trying to get in return? Like who who out there is He's He's, He's still what, a stud. 27 going into 28. So even if you're like a team that's not quite there there, you think you're a year away, I don't know why you're not interested. Because the contract is it, – it, it reads like an absolute steal now. I mean, it's $11 million and then like $12 million. I mean, Josh Norman's making close to 17. Mm, like, yeah. th- that makes him eminently tradable. And, and they would be full – it would be smart, honestly, for them to trade Patrick Peterson, and they would be fools not to let people know that, hey, if you knock our socks off, he's available. Like, we get it. Um, who wouldn't be interested? I mean, anybody can afford that. Like, I mean, the Steelers have been holding this money aside for Le'Veon Bell, right? If they're mm-hmm. able to trade him for a three, why wouldn't the Steelers be in it? Howie Roseman, why wouldn't he be in it? And, like, even a team like Indianapolis, mm. like, he would be great to have around Malik Hooker and some of the young guys in their secondary. They're nowhere near spending the cap. What's $11 million to them? Right. They were paying Vontae Davis, what, 10 Yeah. So, you know, like you can make a case for a lot of teams. Like, are the Jets ready to win right now? Maybe, maybe not. But you throw him in there. How about the Chargers? And they're around 500 Like, the money is nominal. Yeah. So it would be, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Five and a half million for this year, you know. Excuse me for the second half, and then eleven and twelve. Yeah, I mean, you could make the case for more teams to say yeah than to say nah. I mean, do, do would you give up a first round pick for him? For the, I mean, you'd have to. I wouldn't trade him for anything less than that. Yeah. I mean, but, but you don't need multiple firsts. Just like one first next year. I mean, I want one plus something. Okay. I mean, right. I, yeah, I, I want. I mean, I want this to be – this is not a salary dump. This is a football trade. Right. You know what I mean? I need to feel like I made a winnable football trade. Um, so it's, it's got to be like 
a one and a three for Patrick Peterson to the Chargers yeah, or the Patriots something like or something that. like that. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's quickly get to, um, we're running a little bit long. That's my fault, but let's get to three and three teams that are either frauds or potentially legit. And we'll start. In fact, you know what? We're, we're not going to play around because there's only one. I think there's only one. There's not a lot of three and three teams out there. So the Seahawks are three and three. Do you buy or sell the Seahawks? Look, I, I thought Russell Wilson could keep that team in contention, and that's what he's doing. The way, you know, a couple injuries to other places, and they catch a couple breaks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting the fork in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought they could, could win nine-ish games. Will that be enough in that conference? Maybe, maybe not. But let's see, you know, let's see who the – I can't figure the Redskins out at all. You know, I'm a still I, – I, the, the, I'm not sure that the Bears are ready to go from – you know, crawling to sprinting without having to walk and stumble some first. Um, Green Bay is winning games in miracle fashion, but is that sustainable for the whole year, you know? And is Aaron Rodgers' knee going to get better or worse? I don't know, but that will be the tale of their season. So I'm not I'm not ready to, to you know, Atlanta, are they really off the mat? I don't know. So I'll, I'll buy Seattle as being viable into December. So the Chargers, uh, I mean, the, excuse me, the Seahawks, three losses by a total of 12 points. I mean, they, they, they're wins. I mean, the loss in Denver, I mean, Janikowski missed two yep. field goals, and they called a, a play, a touchdown that Pits. I think had it been called um, incomplete on the field, it would have stood, you know. But this year, that standard, that bar seems to have risen. But, I mean, Denver caught a ball in the back of the end zone that I still don't think was a touchdown. <laughs> but, I mean, that is what it is. You can say that about a lot of teams. Sure. But, you know, and Seattle had a tough early part of the schedule. They had yep. a lot of road games early. Doesn't get easier after the bye, though. At Lions, Chargers, at Rams, Packers, and at Panthers. Uh, another team that's 3-3. Three and three. You know, we're not even going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia. We're just going to skip straight to the AFC South uh, because the, that's where the 3-3-ness and three-ness, uh, lies. The Colts are 1-5, but there is a three-way tie for first yeah. at 3-3. Three and three. All four teams in the division, the Titans are minus 20 in point differential. Texans are minus 2. Jaguars minus 17. Colts are minus 28. Uh, which one of those teams – do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars at 3-3 three and three are a fraudulent contender? I think they are. I think 3-3 three and three is fitting for them. And I, I mean, I'm sure you and I talked about it. I know I wrote about it a lot. I talked to a lot of people about it. To me, that team was going to regress. They were not going to be a juggernaut. They weren't going to put up another 12-win season um, with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. The rest of the division would at least marginally get better. And – the defense was going to slip some. I don't. I don't. I just didn't think that that was going to resonate as a historically significant defense that did like what the Legion of Boom did. You know what I mean? Or did what the Ravens did for all those years? Or did what the Steelers did? Yeah. I think it's a very good defense that had one year when they were completely dominant. But I, I, I got the sense they were going to take a step back as well. And if the offense doesn't take a step up and the schedule gets tougher and people don't no longer treat you as a doormat, you have a way of getting humbled in this league. Kind of like the way you saw Jalen Ramsey humbled after that game, huh? That was You didn't think it would be Cole Beasley and a bunch of dudes nobody ever heard of humbling him, but that's what happened, Holmes. So, you know, who are they? This is who they are. They've got a horrible quarterback. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. He definitely is not a, a Super Bowl team caliber starting quarterback. I mean, he's not even Trent Dilfer because he turns it over more than Dilfer. And they're not that Ravens defense either. And 
They don't run the ball the way Jamal Lewis and some of those Ravens backs did back in the day. And Leonard Fournette ain't saving the season either. I'm not buying that narrative. A, he's never available. B, when he is available, he's never 100%. And C, he's more of a plotter than an exploder. Like, yep. he's not, he's not going to shift field position for that. I mean, then you look at their group of receivers. Really? Who's stepping up to save the day? Moncrief? Keelan, Westbrook? Keelan Cole? Is O'Shaughnessy, the tight end, going to do it? Like, I mean, what are we talking about? Well, I think the thing with the Jaguars that the Jaguars got – this happens with Jacksonville a lot, but they had actually had a good season the year before. There was so much off-season narrative about how they – you know, oh, look at these receivers are taking a step forward. And we know who is beating this drum, too, who's at the front of the drum line yeah. with his little Jaguars yeah. cap on, hitting his pom-poms. It was Pete Prisco talking about how Blake Bortles is going to take a step. You know, like, I wrote that they should trade for Teddy Bridgewater or listen to them as the number two team that should trade for Teddy. And he said, you know, the Jaguars are making fun of me about it. Look, Blake Bortles leads the league in their Receptions with eight through six games. Um, yeah, he's got nine seven. turnovers through six games. Yeah, second in the league. I mean, his QBR has come back to earth. His quarterback rating has come back to earth. Um, he's being sacked. Okay. No, go ahead. Since Blake Bortles' big game against the the the, the Patriots, who, mm-hmm. as we know, the defense is bad, and it was particularly horrible at that stage of the season. Since that big signature win, the team is one and three. Blake Bortles' QB rating is 75.51, okay? Blake Bortles in the first half of their last three losses. Because let's face it, there's no Fournette. The defense has slipped a little bit. And we know if you get up 10-0 on the Jags, they're done, right? Right. If you get up two scores, they're done. So all Marone told this cat in the offseason was, don't turn it over and just keep us in games, right? And now that's especially important. So his first half performance of their last three losses, his QB rating is under 50. Oh, my gosh. QB rating, not QBR, QB rating. His rating is (laughs) 49.85. Okay? He's completing like 50% of his passes for like five yards in attempt with no touchdowns and three turnovers and 13 sacks. So that's a recipe for disaster. Because they're in that division, they get a subsidy. It's like grading with a curve. And I I said nine wins probably wins that division preseason. It's not any great shakes, and they beat up on each other, and somebody will get the tiebreakers, but they're not sending two teams to the playoffs. Nope. And Jacksonville may be one of those, but they're going to have to go on the road, and they'll probably get curb stomped. And they don't have a quarterback. Like, if everything was perfect, that guy's not good enough. Nothing's perfect, and he's a huge part of the problem. Like, he's not going to turn DJ Shark into a number one receiver. It's not, it's not happening. Here's the thing. And it's with, too late to do anything now, and they're too stuck in. But I mean, I'm writing a column about this on Wednesday. I mean, I really kind of did a deep dive on the numbers. I mean, since he came into the league in 2014, he's thrown 72 interceptions. <laughs> That's a lot. The next the, in 68 games. Okay, the next closest guy is Philip Rivers at 65, but he atones for it at least. And everybody kills Eli, and I kill Eli. But Eli's thrown 61. This guy's thrown a season's more worth of interceptions than Eli. He's doing 11 more than Eli. <laughs> That's a lot of interceptions. The thing with I mean, the, the thing with the Jaguars, when you look at it, and, and this is this goes to your point exactly. And uh, Brady and I talked about this yesterday. Is that they 
they are not built to be consistent. Last year they had, I think, four game, four or five games they won by 20 points or more, but they also had three games they lost by double digits. And already this season they have, uh, they have multiple double digit wins and multiple double digit losses. Like they've been outscored 70 to 21 in their last two games, getting blown out by the Chiefs and the Cowboys on the road. And I get, I, I get that there can be a good team if they're running the ball well and playing good defense, but when they're not playing defense and they're getting carved up by Cole Beasley in the zone read in Dallas or just getting lit up by Patrick Mahomes and they force Blake Bortles to throw, it's over. Like, it, like as, soon, as soon as they're down 10 nothing, it's over. 14 okay, Here's their last four games. Tennessee, they don't score an offensive touchdown. The Jets, they beat up on the Jets. They had a field day. That was fine. Then they play Kansas City. They don't get on the board until it's 23 nothing. three minutes left in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Bob Sutton's called off the dogs. They're, you know what I mean? They're just, they're just bleeding the clock. They're playing garbage time defense conceding yards, right? So they don't score a meaningful point in that game. Then this past weekend, they don't score until late third quarter, down 24 nothing, garbage time again. They're bad, so, man. Like, that's not going to get it done. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. Who, and, who, would you take out of the, who would you take out of this division if you had to pick somebody? Houston. Right wow, really? Well, I mean, they're a fraud, too. <laughs> the way they're winning games is untenable. But they got off the mat. Clowney's playing for a contract. Watt looks much better now than he did in September. Watson, I know he's throwing a ton of picks. I mean, this is the other thing about the AFC South that kills me. Nobody has a positive scoring differential, and three of the four leading quarterbacks in the NFL in turnovers are in that division. Carr's first with 10, and then you got like a three-way tie at nine with like Bortles, Watson, and Luck. <laughs> um, but that's who, that's who Houston's playing against. You know what I mean? So like, I think they at least have the – and they've got, you know, they've got DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think they should probably go more Alfred Blue than, than Lamar Miller in the run game. Maybe they make some sort of move. I don't like their offensive line. But if Watson – I mean, again, this is obvious. But if Watson plays in 80% of their games, I think they win I, – I think they find a way to win that division at whatever, eight or nine wins, and then they do what they do in the playoffs, which is go out early. They've got, they've actually got a pretty friendly schedule. They're at the Jaguars this week. Then Thursday night at home against the Dolphins, at the Broncos where you can win. Then they're by, then they get the Redskins away, but then Titans, Browns, and Colts, three straight home games, um, coming out of the bye. So I mean, like, you can, they could stack some wins and then the Jets, Eagles, and Jaguars to close. They could Look, definitely the Colts stack some games wins. saved their season. Okay. I mean, that, yeah. they were on life support. I don't like what O'Brien did. I do like what Reich did, but it turned out in O'Brien's favor anyway. That was it. I mean, that gave them a second life. They're not putting teams away, but they've strung together some wins. And in that division, two good weekends, and you're the cream of the crop. And, and yeah. from a personnel standpoint, I think they're in they're in the best shape of any of those teams. Um, Watt's going to win but, them. But, Watt's gonna, Watt, Watt's but gonna... I also don't, but again, with how they're playing right now, Keeping Watson healthy is, doesn't look sustainable. If somehow they sustain that, they're going to win the division. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that, but if they can, that's the team. Otherwise, I, I, it's, it's Jacksonville. If Watson goes down, then it's Jacksonville. But if anybody thinks that team is built for January, they're fooling themselves. Yeah, Jacksonville gets te- uh, the Texans and then the Eagles at home before they're by, then Colts, Steelers, Bills, and Colts, and Titans out of the bye. So they've got a pretty good schedule. Need to close out strong into the bye. All right, we got to close this podcast out, too. Follow Jason Lockenfour at Jason Lockenfour on Twitter. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. And, of course, the NFL Today on Sunday morning. Thanks, as always, buddy. It's fun. 
Hey, it's my pleasure, buddy. Talk to you next week.